Support Narrative's independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative and check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to subscribe and download. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Narrative Live. We have a really, really special show today as we take a look at the mental state of the President of the United States, Donald Trump, and we'll be breaking some news along the way today as well. Uh, for much of his first term, psychologists and commentators have attempted to diagnose Donald Trump with some sort of mental illness. Uh, there have been books on the topic, these millions of articles, and endless news moments. I've mostly stayed away from this game of trying to diagnose someone that you know we don't really know. But over the last few weeks, we've been talking a lot more about COVID-19. We've been talking about his inability and failure to attack this problem on time. I reached back to this idea that he's, does he have this narcissistic personality disorder that came up a few years ago? which I am told is a pretty rare phenomenon in the world and isn't really a diagnosis. So I was really happy when Dr. Daniel Winnerick uh, posted something in Psychology Today where he addressed uh, what he said was uh, a shortcoming in some of that uh, earlier diagnosis. I've captured all of that very well, Dr. Daniel Winnerick, but hi to well, you. The sort of landscape of um, mental health takes on Donald Trump uh, certainly goes back to that book, um, like A Dangerous Case of Donald Trump, I think it's called, where I'm not totally sure what the diagnosis is, but definitely all over Twitter, you see narcissistic personality disorder. You also see this construct, malignant narcissism, and sometimes you see dementia. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of these, I think, uh, you know, they, they're kind of reaches. Um, malignant narcissism is not in the DSM. What the, is the DSM, DSM is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Mental Disorder. It's okay. sort of like the Holy Bible of psychiatry. So and why isn't it there? Um, because there's a lack of empirical support for the construct. So they, when they reached for that in the book two years ago, they needed something very broad in terms of a definition yeah. that they could fit this into? Yeah, I think they made the whole thing too complex. Malignant narcissism also comes from a sort of psychoanalytic um, conceptual framework, which, you know, is not known for its scientific rigor. You can't really disagree with this diagnosis in my So, opinion, So your diagnosis, that. just so everybody's clear, is, is what? So it's like the formal diagnosis for what's commonly referred to as a psychopath or sociopath. Right. And in the DSM, that's labeled uh, antisocial personality disorder. So an antisocial personality disorder is a psychopath or can it include psychopaths? It is a psychopath or a sociopath, same thing. Who are famous examples? I mean, I guess the one that people have reached to the most sure. is Jeffrey Dahmer. Yes, he would qualify um, for sure. So, you know, essentially comparing Donald Trump to, to Jeffrey Dahmer is a massive, a massive event. In, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, if we were to say that about him, he would come back and say, you're absolutely insane. Um, why do you think he still applies to this when Jeffrey Dahmer is, you know, presumably this far on the scale of, of, right. um, of being out there? Well, I mean, it's a spectrum, a continuum of sort of severity. Mm-hmm. You know, most people with antisocial personality disorder are found in prisons, actually. Um, so that obviously ranges from, you know, like drug dealing to murder to Jeffrey Dahmer serial killing. Or where Bernie would you, Madoff. So Bernie Madoff would be a psychopath too. That in, yeah. And uh, where on that spectrum, if you were to say from one to 10, uh, would you put Donald Trump? Um, you know, I think he's a step below the serial killers, but he's up there. So right. I'd give him an eight. 
probably or so nine. Very, so very severe. Um, yeah. We've gotten so numb to what he's done. You know, it's been a progression of things that have just gotten worse and worse and worse. And I think as we've discovered that he didn't do very much around coronavirus and didn't prepare for COVID-19 in the way that he could have, um, it's become sort of apparent that he's let people die almost yeah. on, you know, it's just willfully allowing his own citizens to die. That's sort of a whole new level of, 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 of deceit and, um, and unlawfulness. And so, reckless disregard for yeah. the safety of other people. What do we do about this? He is above the law, beyond, beyond anybody else. He's clearly set up a, a situation where he can't be prosecuted. What happens to someone in a situation like that where we're all victims, really, of his, of his psychopathic behavior and we can't really do anything? Typically, if it was in an interpersonal context, I would say, you know, get out of that relationship and cut, mm. ignore that person, block them or whatever, cut them out of your life. Um, that's ob obviously not a possibility, nor is arrest. Um, I mean, I think the exposure that the media gives him, I'm not the first one to say this, obviously, but is a huge problem. Um, because the more somebody is exposed to a stimulus, the more they're going to like it, no matter if it's heinous or not. And that's the problem. Is there an element of being um, having an antisocial personality disorder that includes wanting the limelight, or does it can it range from from being you know in, an introvert and not wanting to go out there and and, and it can also range. being because there are some very yeah. charming people out there who you consider psychopaths. Uh, I might have worked with some of them, <laughs> so you know there's you sometimes think well how, you know how does how do they make it in the society? How do they succeed um, considering they're they they run against the norm so much? Some people consider some CEOs psychopaths, and I don't really buy that um, so much. I don't think somebody would really get to that position if they were truly antisocial personality disordered, but people would probably disagree with that. The prevalence is like 0.2% to 3% of the population. So this is a very kind of rare disorder. Um, and I think Trump was able to avoid some of the problems that most people with this disorder have, namely arrest, because of his vast wealth that he was born into. And if you have a lot of money, you're able to sort of avoid being arrested for things that maybe someone else would be arrested for. So when you look at someone like him who was actually born into a crime family, who's got uh, a father that was involved in laundering money for the Genovese family, uh, clearly there was you know, a lot of crime in his, in his upbringing, even if it was white-collar crime. Is, that, is this something that can be inherited? Can you inherit uh, antisocial personality disorder? I mean, I think it's both, yeah. It's partly genetic, it's partly environmental. And that distinction is reflected in the terminology psychopath versus sociopath. So sociopath is people who think it's more environment and psychopath is people who think it's more genetic. But the, the, the way it looks to everyone is the same, presumably. Yes, right. All right. So I want to play you a clip from a couple of weeks ago. And this is sort of when I, was, when I really started getting worried. I, I was looking at the press conference or his nightly briefings on coronavirus. And, I, and I, he started talking about the virus. And he started praising the virus. He was talking about it being an absolute genius. And I'd only ever heard him talk about himself as a genius. This is genius that we're fighting. You know, we're fighting this hidden enemy, which is genius, okay? It's genius. The way it's attacked so many countries at so many different angles. And I mean, you take a look at what's going on. And the greatest doctors in the world, I think they're close, by the way, but they haven't figured it out yet.
if I were to like file that under one of the diagnostic criterion for antisocial personality disorder, mm. it would probably be lack of remorse. I mean, he's practically admiring the disease for how well it kills people. He's not very good at praising people directly that much or anything right. that much, unless it's sort of uh, sort of fake praise. But in this case, he seems to genuinely admire um, the the virus, and I. It's stunning, really, when you think about how many people it's, it's, it, as lives it's taken away. And then right. the flip side of that is the lack of remorse for, uh, for the victims. He never exactly. seems to talk about the victims. There's never yeah. a mention of who died, other than you know, facts and, and sort of feigned uh, remorse. But there's nothing that really feels heartfelt. Um, there's no emotional expression of remorse. Yeah. Why does that happen? Is that because you know, he wasn't loved as a child? Or what, what, you know, why does that happen? Um, it's a good question. I mean, yeah, usually there's some, you know, pretty vicious parenting, you know, not necessarily physical or sexual abuse or neglect, but, you know, certainly like authoritarian sort of parenting that's highly punitive, not a lot of sort of love expressed, um, and a lot of people modeling, you know, sort of antisocial behavior. You know, norms are change, presumably, over the over times, and we've seen people considered outcasts and outlaws for, for things that today are acceptable. Um, is, is norms a weird standard to try and use? I mean, I'm okay with it. I mm -hmm. think, uh, we, you know, there are, like, norms that, you know, are changeable, and I think a flexible person can see that very different from a norm of sort of, you know, respecting the rights of another person. Right, so this is about rights to a large extent. Yeah, that's okay. part of the definition is like the disorder is a blatant disregard for the rights of another person. Okay. And then the next part about it is his sort of the lying and deceitfulness, which we yeah, know he does. Yeah, deceitfulness as indicated by repeated use of lying. And I always thought this was really bizarre, um, that use of aliases was mm. specified in the DSM as an indication of deceitfulness. Right. And, you know, as you know, um, he's sort of known for calling into the media using an alias mm. for his own gain. I forget the names that he used. But. Okay, it was John something. Or, uh, I can't remember. John yeah, Barron John something. something. John, John Barron. Barron. Yeah. You know, it's interesting yeah. because he, uh, his entire life has been a bit of a construct. You know, he wasn't ever as rich as, uh, as he said he was. The Apprentice series was sort of a, a fake view of what he, his life would be like. Nothing about that was real. Um, you know, he's... he's was obviously some sort of Russian agent or something through through many years, and and he hid that a lot. Um, you know, these are probably kind of skills that you want to have if you're going to be uh, in the far, in you know an agent for somebody else. Um, but his entire thing has been constructed, and yet we've allowed him as a society to to get to be very successful and now rule the world. Uh, the norms are sort of defined as something that would get you arrested if right. you were to violate them, and. You know, I do think most people would probably find that problematic if they were presented with factual information about somebody breaking the law. And that's what I think we saw uh, reflected in the impeachment process. Yeah. Um, I mean, he got out ahead of it, just calling it fake and a hoax, and that was really all he needed to do to convince his hardcore supporters to discount anything that anybody else said. Or they've just uh, discounted it, you know, maybe. Uh, they, yeah. They, they just accept that he's going to do all these things, and that's okay because he somehow has been billed for them as someone who's going to protect their race. That's my interpretation, at least. And yeah. that seems more important to them. I think that he definitely traffics in white supremacy, and that is a big appeal to this sort of weird contingent of his base. Um, 
But I think there's also an appeal of somebody who has antisocial personality disorder. They're often kind of charming, mm-hmm. you know, and when you're younger, usually, um, so the implication is that some of this base of his is sort of emotionally immature or something. But like when you're younger, you kind of look up to somebody who is like uh, a badass, for lack of mm. a better word. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think society sort of, you know, relishes these people. We put them up on a pedestal because they're able to sort of, they don't feel the, the, the resistance that all the rest of us feel from society. So they're able to step out in a way that, uh, that most of us wouldn't imagine is possible. Um, and in some ways, that could be an incredible thing to be able to not see any boundaries and achieve greatness beyond anyone's expectation. Um, yet, as we know now from all of your studies and everybody else, that it could also be uh, incredibly harmful. The criteria is like if they result in significant impairment in your emotional, behavioral, or sort of uh, other clinical functioning, basically. Um, so, you know, that presents a problem to diagnosing with a disorder because he is president. But, I mean, I would argue that his, pro- his probably relationships are not are impaired by these traits um, and that his ability to do his job is obviously impaired by these traits. I mean, uh, are you born with a, a, a SPD or do you uh, get it when you're older in life? I think it develops over time. Um, so the, the trajectory for it is as a child, actually you have it very young. So as a child, you have what's called oppositional defiant disorder, ODD. This is actually a requisite for the diagnosis of ASPD. Um, and then as a, so it's just like a kid who doesn't, is oppositional and defiant and uh, doesn't listen to anybody and is getting out of his chair and sort of a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, then as a teenager, they have to have conduct disorder, which is sort of more severe. It's like a disregard for the rules and sort of engaging in cruelty to mm-hmm. other people or physical aggressiveness. And he was... Um, you know, sent to military school, I think when he was like 13 by his dad. Uh, And this military school is sort of like well known among people his age who grew up in the sort of Long Island area as a school for really bad kids who, Hmm. you know, had disruptive behaviors. And the third third thing you, I think we're we're diagnosing him as, because you have to get three out of seven, if I'm not correctly, uh, is the impulsivity. Tell us a little bit about that or the failure to plan ahead. That one, I actually, you know, I think there's evidence for it. I wouldn't go to that as my third one if Mm -hmm. I was making an evidential case or something. I mean, the best thing I can think of is sort of just reports that he is making sort of decisions about whatever, what, like taking out Suleimani was Mm -hmm. supposedly not very planned. Um, Obviously, there's no plan for uh, dealing with COVID, but I would probably go to consistent irresponsibility failure to sustain consistent work because included in that is also a failure to honor financial responsibilities and right. I'm pretty sure his record of bankruptcy is pretty well documented there's a question about why you've done this you know you've decided to step out and, i'm disturbed and, man yeah. by this president yeah. is yeah. is really um upsetting and also it's sort of like a prototypical case of antisocial personality disorder it would be like in a textbook mm-hmm. for diagnosing someone and so the takes that I see on his mental status are either dementia, which we can't say yes or no, or, you know, malignant narcissism, which 
is sort of not accepted by the academic community. And Joe Biden seems to be a sort of a counterweight to Donald Trump in almost everything. And particularly when you look at his personality here, that there's a, a, a lot of hope around his the vision that he has for America, but also um, a lot of concern around the soul of America uh, and how to repair the soul, which I think was one of his first campaign ads. Maybe his first campaign ad was about he's going to repair the soul of America. And it seems to me like that's almost what we have here is a sort of we've all been through a collective trauma and we need someone and we need ourselves to to push through a lot of hope uh, to get out of the situation. It's about the only thing that's going to make us get through it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Biden does represent that and he's a good person to represent that sort of healing from trauma and moving on and we have to start start channeling ourselves into a hopeful place you know we're not gonna yeah. we're not gonna get there unless we you know sort of dust ourselves up off and, and get up and, and start pushing back with a positive message um and i think that's sort of it's a very easy to spend our lives talking about oh what, what a terrible situation we're in um but we also have to tell ourselves that we have to get out of it through positivity and hope yeah, I mean, I think hope is a, a great message or hope, you know, a return to not having a psychopath as president. Um, <laughs> that that works good too. <laughs> but, you know, also, uh, you know, I think what goes along with being traumatized is sort of anger at the person who's doing that to you. And, you know, that there may be somewhat of a cutoff of people feeling defeated. Um, but I think if you can sort of channel that anger into, um, activism in some way that that is also in addition to hope a good path thank you for having me. my pleasure we'll have you again on in the future and uh, don't forget if you are uh, willing or able support narratives independent journalism by going to patreon.com forward slash narrative costs just five bucks a month and uh, we get to do all sorts of uh, good work based on the money you provide us thanks for joining us on narrative and have a great night Support Narrative's independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative and check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to subscribe and download.